Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your portal to positive football history, and it's portal to Rose Bowl history, talking about these great Rose Bowl games, celebrating 100 years of the stadium this year in 2023. Uh, you know, that stadium's had 100 games in it already. There's been a, 109 games with this one played overall at the Tournament of Roses games, and uh, we're talking about each and every one of these things, trying to catch some of the history and the, the players and the coaches and you know some of the famous plays that came out of it and some great stories and we have one of the greatest storytellers in football history with us tonight it's uh, joe ziemba from when football is football podcast here in sports history network joe welcome back to the pig pen well thank you darren always always a pleasure and an honor to join you and and our discussions are always enjoyable and thank you again for having me we get quite an education every time you come on. We love uh, the research that you do and these great stories and uh, you know, just learning some little tidbits of football that uh, you know maybe a little outside the game. And you know, hopefully we have a few of those tonight that we can get and learn about some of these players and uh, some of their history. So we're excited to hear about the Rose Bowl you're going to talk about tonight. I'll let you introduce it. Oh, great. Yeah, we're going to talk about the 1990, 1998. Yeah, you can tell where I'm from. It's the holiday season. I apologize. 1988 Rose Bowl. And that was between Michigan State and Southern Cal. And some of the underlying stories were it was all about breaking a jinx. And we had a quarterback matchup between Troy Aikman and Rodney Pete that had nothing to do with the Rose Bowl, but it did. We had a can't-miss offensive lineman who became an NFL flop. And finally... A quarterback, quite unheralded, who rarely threw the ball, but rose, how about that for a pun, rose to the top in the Rose Bowl with a huge completion. So just a few little tidbits about this game and uh, going again back to 1988. Wow, that sounds great. Uh, And, uh, you know, the... We like to have the pun in there. We're glad that you're hanging out by the eggnog uh, uh, <laughs> container there by for the, for our Christmas party here at Pigskin Dispatch. So uh, we're we're loving to hear that story and uh, hear hear about this game. Yeah, again, we we've got a couple of opponents that had met already that year. It was the University of Southern California versus Michigan State, who met on January first uh, of that year, nineteen eighty eight. 
And uh, somewhat ironically, the two teams had met in the season opener earlier that year at Michigan State. It was the first night game ever played at the Michigan State Spartan Stadium. And the Spartans won 27 to 13. So by the time they got to the Rose Bowl, Southern Cal had a number 16 ranking with an 8-3 and three record. The Pac-10 champs and Michigan State was the number eight team in the country. Uh, they were 8-2-1, and one, I believe, or 9-2-1, and one, and won the Big Ten with an undefeated 7-0-1 record, coached by George Pearls. But it was the first time since 1966 that Michigan State had defeated both Michigan 17 to 11 and Ohio State 13 to 7 in the same season. And it was the first Rose Bowl for the team since 1965. So, as uh, some interesting characters on, on the sidelines, the defensive coordinator for Michigan State was a guy named Nick Saban, a great recruiter. I think he's done some other stuff in football since that time. But for Michigan State, they started that season with the big win over Southern Cal and then hit kind of a bad stretch. They lost to Notre Dame 31-8 and then to Florida State 31-3. But fortunately for the Spartans, they were able to right the ship. They never lost again. And they marched all the way through the Rose Bowl and finished with a 9-2-1 record for the season. For Southern Cal, uh, it was their first year under Coach Larry Smith. They were 7-1 and one in the Pac-10, and the reason they won the Pac-10 was a, a pretty big game uh, against UCLA. And at that time, Southern Cal, late in the season, was unranked, and they beat UCLA, which was number five in the country, 17-13 to 13 on November 21st. And that clinched the Rose Bowl contest for them. UCLA, under quarterback Troy Aikman, who we mentioned at the start, was up 13-0 to zero after three. And Aikman, though, was having a little trouble. He was uh, throwing a few interceptions. He was 11 of 26 for 171 yards that day. And Rodney Pete, of unheralded Southern Cal, um, he made the play of the game, but it wasn't really on offense. Uh, at the end of the first half and the, the team was losing, he threw a ball that was intercepted at the goal line. And the defender started running it all the way back, which would have probably put the game out of reach almost. But Pete traced him all the way down and tackled him as time expired before he was able to reach the the, uh, the goal line. So that was a kind of a game-saving tackle made by the quarterback. So as the uh, teams made it, that uh, was enabled uh, Southern Cal to clinch the Pac-10. Pete, as I mentioned, led the team that year uh, and saved that uh, UCLA game couple of cool things about that game between UCLA and Southern Cal. And one was a story I just told about how Rodney Pete ran down the defender who had a, a clear shot at the goal line. And it really hurt UCLA being number five in the nation. In fact, uh, Coach Smith of Southern Cal said that his team came all the way back to win that game. He said, I've been associated with a lot of football teams, but never one that had as much fight, drive, and desire. If you want to see a team that truly earned a championship, this one did. I'm not a great coach, but they're a great team. And in the other locker room, UCLA coach Terry Donahue said that Southern Cal played a great game. They did the things they needed to win, and they were the better team today. We came awfully close to being conference champs, but we lost the wrong game. 
But there was uh, some players from Michigan State we want to mention as well. Lorenzo White was an outstanding halfback. He carried the ball 357 times that season for over 1,500 yards and was a first-team All-American. And the line was um, anchored, shall we say, by a big guy, talented big guy named Tony Mandarich. He was actually the second player that would be picked in the NFL draft after the season, but unfortunately was unable to really make it big in the pros. The quarterback is a guy that I had not heard of before named Bobby McAllister. And with a running back like Lorenzo White, McAllister was not required to throw much. In fact, for the whole season, he only threw 139 passes. Uh, But in the Rose Bowl, he made them all count. But he did have a big play target in Andre Reeson. And so with a guy like that who could catch anything, when they weren't going to run the ball, they had a a great, great uh, receiver out there. But Michigan State was certainly uh, eager to play Southern Cal and vice versa, and Southern Cal coach Smith said, yep, after that opening game of the year, we made a commitment for our team to play Michigan State again. And I want to tell you right now that we'll be ready. So the teams were all set up to go, uh, both teams anxious. But there was that thing about the jinx. And what the jinx was, as we talked about as we started, was The Big Ten had lost six straight games to the Pac-10 in the Rose Bowl. In fact, the Pac-10 had won 12 of 13 of the last games that were being played. But for Michigan State, it was was quite just an honor to be there. Uh, I mentioned earlier they hadn't been to Pasadena since 1965, and they hadn't won there since 1955. In 1966, they could go because back then the Big Ten had an archaic rule that a team could not go two years in a row which doesn't make sense to me, but that was the rule. And then 1978, another good team from Michigan State was denied because of they were on probation. So they were very anxious to get out there to Southern Cal and uh, take on uh, the local team. So quarterback Bobby McAllister, as I mentioned, in the game itself, he was going to be one of the key players. Uh, it was The score was 17-17 in the fourth quarter. And McAllister was, uh, again, not a good passer, but he was forced out of the pocket, and he was uh, moving to his right, almost out of bounds, and he he threw a pass downfield to Andre Rayson. And McAllister, his coach, said that uh, it was a broken play. The completion was strictly on the ability of Bobby McAllister and and Andre Rayson. It was a 55-yard pass, I believe, and so that kept the drive alive and allowed Michigan State to kick a field goal by John Langeflow from 40 yards out to win 20 to 17. So the the MVP of the game, however, was was not one of the offensive players. It was Percy Snows, and he was a sophomore little middle linebacker for the uh, Spartans. He made 17 tackles, 15 unassisted, to steal the spotlight Friday, according to one of the local papers in California. And after the game, Snow said. I felt I had a pretty good game, but it wasn't to my greatest potential. I believe there's always room for improvement. We didn't feel that this game was to prove something for the Big Ten. We just wanted to prove something for ourselves, for Michigan State. And, of course, the jinx was finally going to be over. And Coach Pearls of Michigan State said, I don't know if we proved anything, but I hope this, ending the jinx, clears up a lot of anxiety for the people who come out here in the future. 
And uh, Larry Smith, the coach of, of Southern Cal, said, people talk about the jinx, but maybe now they'll forget about it and let us just play the game. And then finally, what about that draft bust we talked about? And it was none other than Tony Mandarich, uh, the big, big lineman, six foot six, 330 pounds from Michigan State. Uh, he was drafted, as I mentioned, in the top five of, uh, of his class. And somewhat sadly and ironically, he was the only one that in the top five of his class that's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now. But he just uh, he stuck around the league for many years, but never, never really got to be as dominant as he was in college. And part of that dominance could be traced to the publicity he had. Uh, Sports Illustrated put him on the cover. There's great articles about him. And later on, as we link back to this Rose Bowl game way back when, Mandarich admitted he was uh, on some some stimulating material before the game. And <laughs> so who knows? But. It all led to a Michigan State victory, and twenty to seventeen in the Rose Bowl. Wow, very great stuff, Joe. That's uh, excellent history on there. And I got I got something that I can add to this too. This was also the last uh, Rose Bowl that NBC uh, had to broadcast rights to. It was the and I. I always remember when I thought Rose Bowl, I could always hear Keith Jackson's voice, but actually ABC didn't start uh, with Keith Jackson until the 1989 Rose Bowl, the, the following year, oh. which was the last one for uh, uh, NBC. And they had the announcers of um, uh, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson doing this game. So they're it's kind of historic in that way too. But I, I, for some reason, I was in my 20s when this game was played, but I don't remember NBC covering the Rose Bowl, but they did for 37 years prior to that. Wow, that's a good tidbit. I always remember uh, Keith Jackson as well talking about the granddaddy, which I'm sure other folks have mentioned as we, we talk about these Rose Bowls. But yeah, oh, very interesting. Thank you, Darren. Good yeah. catch. Yeah, so, Joe, we really appreciate you coming on talking about the Rose Bowl, but we also want people to know about, uh, you know, you're on like every other week on your own podcast when football is football. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what what people can expect uh, hearing, hearing that great podcast and maybe something you got coming up in the near future. Well, thank you, Darren. Yeah, our podcast focuses on pro football, the early days of pro football in Chicago, Chicago Bears and Chicago Cardinals. Maybe once in a while we'll have a high school or a college team as well, but it's mostly the pro teams. And in fact, during this month, we're running bonus episodes every couple of days. This is the 75th anniversary of the Chicago Cardinals, now the Arizona Cardinals, winning their last NFL title. It's the longest drought of a non-championship team in any professional sport. So we're just going back, taking a journey to 75 years ago today on specific days in this month of December to talk about the Cardinals and, and celebrate that last big NFL championship. And Cardinals fans out there are still waiting, but it's a lot of fun to dig into some of the stories back 75 years ago today, Darren. So thank you very much. Well, most certainly. And, and folks, if you want to catch uh, some of these episodes and, you know, even the back episodes are available, your favorite podcast provider, or you can go to sportshistorynetwork.com when football was football with Joe Ziemba. So Joe, thank you very much for, for helping us celebrate this Rose Bowl history. And, uh, we have you signed up for, I think, for another one here too that we'll get to talk to about in a, a few days. So we appreciate you and helping us celebrate. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Darren. I really enjoy this and we'll hopefully we'll find some other obscure stories that are totally useless, but a lot of fun to talk about. <laughs>
Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast as well as Jersey Dispatch on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.